<laughs> yes, there's always a minister's wife that's delaying. Yeah, shocking. Anyway, thank you, friends. Nice to see you all. Welcome to our morning worship. Warm welcome if you're here in the space, and a warm welcome too if you're accessing the service via the screen. However you are here, we're very glad that you are here. Uh, and we pray that you will sense the presence of the risen Jesus as we worship together. Our call to worship is taken from uh, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1 and verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, We will sing together, friends. If you're able, please stand. We sing, give thanks to the Lord forever. Forever, forever, 
sit down, friends? Let us pray. We're glad, Lord, to be here. We're glad to worship. We're glad to celebrate uh, your goodness as we have been in the singing of that song together. We are so glad that you are faithful. We are so glad that you are true to your word. You are true to your character. Uh, You have always been true. And in the presence of that awesome truthfulness, we become very aware of our own shortcomings. We aren't like you, not yet. We recognize that you are working on us. We are indeed a work in progress. And again, we are thankful that you have not given up, that you continue and you persevere week by week and day by day, sometimes hour by hour and moment by moment. But you have never given up and you never will. And again, we are thankful Recognizing that we're not all that we should be, we confess our sin before you. We've said things, thought things, done things which have not brought honor to your name. And if they were to be known, we would be ashamed. So we won't waste time trying to hide this stuff away from you. We freely confess all of it. And ask you to take it from us. To clean us up again. Your word says that you're faithful and just. And when we come confessing our sins, you will indeed forgive us. Because of who you are. So again, we're thankful that we can come to you in this way. That we can offer all of this to you. That you will receive it that you will forgive us and that we can begin again. With your help, Lord, we will do better. We will be better. Continue to work with us and in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Douglas. Ah, There you are. Good morning. I wonder who's up for a challenge this morning. How good are you at trying something different, trying something new? Well, when, before I went on my first visit to China for my work, I asked a friend some advice on their, their food because I was a bit unsure and a bit nervous, you know. And that friend was Edward. And he said, take plenty of Mars bars. So I did. And really, I needn't have bothered or worried because um, the, the food was good. I enjoyed the food. And, um, but the Chinese people I met enjoyed the Mars bars. Yeah, that was good. Um, so, um, speaking about China, uh, Jane and I had the present a few, um, quite a few weeks ago, some sorrel leaves. I've never eaten sorrel leaves before. They make like dock leaves. And they were given to us by uh, our friend, Su Yang, who's sitting over there, and I'm sure most of you have met her. So um, we, had, we tried these and thought, oh gosh, what are these going to be like? Quite nice, actually. Different. And then later on, um, Mark 
contemporary with surprising us with that, she brought us some local fruits. So, um, if I can, this works? Yes. There's the Mars bar, and there's the local fruit on the, on the, uh, on the branch. Um, so, again, I'm a little bit nervous about this, uh, not try this before. How many people have tried local fruits here? Any people? Any hands up? So young, have you not tried one? Yeah, one. Right. Well, um, some people eat them, eat the whole skin. Some people just scoop out the, the flesh, and it's really nice. We, we scooped out the flesh, and it's very nice. So thank you to Yang for introducing us to local fruits. Now, I would have brought some along with this morning to, to test you, but they're out of season, so I couldn't get any. So um, aren't you lucky? Um, so when you open up the local fruits, so it's not working. Uh, could you go one up, one forward, please? Yeah, they're full of uh, big, big pips, and so you, um, you don't have to eat those, but you can scoop out the, the flesh, and it's really nice. I can recommend it, and it's surprising how many shops now in Queensway have changed. Um, forget Sainsbury's and Tesco's; you've got a whole load of new shops which you could just try different foods from uh, and be bold. So the, the last time um, I was here, I, uh, I gave you a challenge um, in our Christian lives to get by side of people, just to get to know them. Um, before we can share Christ's love, we have to get by the side of people. I said to you, well, why don't you just start with going to St. Fire's Wise? When they have their coffee, go to St. Fire's Wise and mix with people there. And sure enough, the following week, I saw a couple just do that, so that's very good. Um, several companies have a strap line. So you have Coca-Cola, which is... Any volunteers? It's the real thing. Tesco, every little helps. Spurgeons. Yeah, Lucas has got it. Anybody out there? Julia, did I hear you nod? Come on then. Shout it out to everybody. line for Spurgeons is um, revealing God's love to everybody. Very good. Thank you. Oh, to the community. Sorry. So, let's not forget that. And um, so today's challenge is to find new ways of revealing God's love to the community and advancing his kingdom in our community and beyond. So try and find something new perhaps some new fruit, new food, uh, a, a new habit, a new activity, and see if you can use that to share God's love to the community. Thank you. Thank you, Douglas. Let's hear from God's word. The reading this morning is from Acts 8, verses 26 to 40. 
and it's entitled Philip and the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from this earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Assetus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Thank you. So we will sing together once again. Uh, If you're able, please stand as we sing Jesus Christ once again. And at the end of this, I'll receive the offering. Please stand. Once again, 
pray together. Father God, once again we've come to say thank you in this most practical of ways. Please take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom. Amen. If you're involved with Junior Church, it's time for you to take your leave. The Lord be with you. Amen. So, friends, we come to our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. And once again, Lord, the dominant note for us here is one of thanksgiving. Given all that we've said when we come to this part of our worship, all the things that are going on in the world are overwhelming sometimes for us and without being able to come to you in this way we're not sure quite where we would be or what would happen to us we're very glad that we've got this safety valve really where we can come and we can say why why is this happening why isn't life better why do bad things happen to good people we're able to join with the psalmist in those psalms of lament where there is a very open and honest exchange. And we are, again, although this has become a sort of rumbling background to our lives now, we are still very, very distressed about what we see happening between Ukraine and Russia. We don't understand why Russia felt it needed to do what it did. We know what it says, but we don't understand it, and we don't see the reason behind it. It is all wrong. We know it's lies. And they just keep saying the same stuff over and over again. And nobody seems to be able to say, well, no, actually, you are wrong We continue to pray for all the conversations that we know will be going on in the background behind the scenes. We continue to pray for all those diplomats that are involved and engaged. And we continue to pray for leaders all around the world. We must have that solid understanding. We must have that solid agreement that Russia may not profit from what it has done. We pray for the Ukrainian people, many of whom have lost homes, livelihoods, loved ones, business. And now 
Ukrainian citizens are being encouraged by their leader to step away from the Donbass region to find safer havens. We want things to change, Lord. We don't know what that means. We don't know how it's going to happen. But we do want them to change. We want Ukraine to be a safe place once again. We want it to be a secure and prosperous place once again, as indeed it was before all of this. God, will you help those people? And indeed, our sisters and brothers in Christ who are doing all that they can across that part of the world to support and help those who are refugees. And the knock-on effect of all of this around the world, rising prices everywhere, rising energy prices, rising food prices, all linked to what is going on in that place. It is important, indeed imperative, that solutions are found quickly. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And again, something else that has been rumbling along for a long time, not been high on our agendas, going back 20, 30, 40 years and more, many innocent people were given blood to treat conditions and the blood was contaminated by any number of viruses and it wasn't caught and it wasn't found until it was too late. Many have died as a result. And an inquiry has been going on and an interim report has been published. We pray that the government will accept the findings of the report and that they will act quickly. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We've been very encouraged, Lord, as we've, uh, those that are interested in football will have watched the women's team progress through this tournament, the Euros, and to finding themselves in the final. What a surprise. We're, we've been interested because not only have our, our team done well, but some of the matches have been played in our city at MK Dons. Uh, and it has been interesting to see what has happened and it's been interesting to watch how the local council and uh, population have accommodated to all of this and the media reporting has been really very good and very positive. And we pray that many around the world will now be much more aware of Milton Keynes and may want to come and visit as a result of what they've seen on the television. Uh, we pray that our women's football team will equip themselves well uh, later today, that they will, uh, they will remember all that they have learned. They will remember how they have trained and that all of that training will kick in. We wouldn't dare ask, Lord, that they might win, but that is our hope. Lord, in your mercy hear our prayer. 
And related to that, Lord, we pray for all the businesses, for the local council, councillors, politicians, and everyone that has worked so hard to make that such a success. Thinking a little more close to home, we want to offer congratulations, Father, to three of our young people who have graduated from university, Nushmir, Lucas, Thomas. We thank you, Father, for the links we've had with them and their families down through the years. It's been lovely to watch what has happened with them as they have grown and matured. And we pray, Father, that you'll bless them with every good thing as they move forward into all that life has for them. Bless them and encourage them, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And for this church, for our fellowship, for Spurgeon Baptist Church, as they consider life beyond this ministry, beyond my ministry, I pray, Father, that you will encourage them, give them a clarity of thought, clarity of reasoning, help them to be clear about what they would like, what they might need in the next minister that comes. We pray, Father, that even now you will be speaking to someone or possibly even someones about this place, about a situation just like this, where they might come and grow and flourish and encourage the church here to do likewise. Thank you for the love and care there is here. May that love and care grow day by day and week by week, especially during the time of interregnum. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. I meant to say at the beginning, and I forgot, friends, um, Angie and I put an offer in on a house uh, a few, about 10 days ago, and it has been accepted, and we are delighted that that is the case. The surprise is that it's, uh, the house is in Kettering in Northamptonshire, which is really where we come from, effectively. Uh, you will have heard us both speak very warmly about Dorset, and it was my hope, indeed our hope, <laughs> that we would return to that county. Uh, but God clearly has other plans. Uh, we're very glad that we've got somewhere to go. Hello, yes. You... Uh, we didn't mention in the intercessions, but a fair number of us are involved in that house holiday club this week. Or not holiday club. Not... In, a, in a minute, in a minute, in a minute, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, we're just talking about where we're going to be. Uh, we'll do that. I thank you for reminding me about that. Uh, we'll do Lighthouse in a minute.
But yeah, we're going to be living in Kettering. Uh, it'll take a little while for that to happen, uh, and uh, we'll keep you in touch with where we are in the process. Thank you, all of you, for the prayers and best wishes and consideration that you have shown uh, to us over these days. We've much appreciated it. Now, let us pray for Lighthouse. I'd forgotten all about that. Thank you for the reminder, Ruth. Let us pray. Father God, we do thank you for the opportunity we've got to share your love with folk from the Lakes Estate and beyond, indeed. There'll be many young people who will come to the Lighthouse, uh, the Holiday Club, uh, in the next few days. Thank you for all those who have offered to serve and teach uh, and support in all sorts of ways. Thank you for those children that will come and for those parents who will bring them. Will you please speak to them about your great love for them, all of them? Uh, And will you enable a number of them to take a step nearer to you as a result of all that will be happening? Draw near and bless all of those folk, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good. Right, let us sing together once again. If you're able, please stand as we sing, You Are My Anchor.
sit down. So Philip uh, and the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip is tasked by God the Holy Spirit to go to a particular place in a particular time and then go and stand next to that chariot, go and listen uh, and wait and see what you need to do. Uh, And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from the scroll of Isaiah uh, and asks, uh, who is the prophet speaking about? Is it himself or somebody else? And speaking with Isaiah 53, as we know it now, uh, Philip begins to unfold uh, the gospel. And as they are moving along the road, they come upon water. And the Ethiopian says, here is water, Uh, why shouldn't I be baptised? How interesting, friends. (laughs) Uh, I didn't plan this. Uh, St. Francis have baptised somebody. Here is water. So why shouldn't you be baptised? Well, there's any number of reasons you might think. I want to address that question, really, uh, today. It won't take us long. Um, The only reason, actually, that you should not be baptised is if you are not yet a believer in this Jesus. If you're warm to the idea, but you know you haven't yet made that step, you haven't made that firm commitment, then you should not get wet. That is the only reason, I think, why you should not be baptised. If you are a believer, if you know that your sins are forgiven, if you know that you're, you're leading a new life now, where Jesus is the very heart of your existence and all you do, then you should be baptised. And if you're in that position and you have not yet been baptised, you really should do something about that. Not because the minister says you should, but because that's what Jesus expects. Uh, He says to his disciples just before he ascends, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go make uh, disciples of all nations. So the only reason not to be baptised is because you are not yet a believer. If you are a believer and you are not baptised, you should do something about that. I leave that with you. Now, you might think, well, yes, I I am a believer. I have taken the steps. I've confessed my sin. I've received Jesus into my life. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm leading a new life. But I'm too old. Are you? Are you? There's no question uh, that you are too old. None at all. Uh, I'm too young. That's something else that gets said. Um, Are you? (laughs) Probably not. I mean, I I have had this conversation, you know, about being too young. Uh, I do think you need to come to a place where you're beginning to understand who you are Uh, and where you are in the scheme of things. It takes a while for us to develop and mature and grow and understand who we are in the world, you know, where we 
where we fit in our family life, where we fit um, with our peers, who we are. So maybe, you know, maybe if you were... I would get interested, really, when you got into your teens, because you're asking those sorts of questions. Uh, when you're younger than that, I don't think you started to ask those questions. I always think it's interesting to, to hear testimony uh, when people get baptised, particularly from people who were rebellious. I love a rebel, don't you? Uh, <clears throat> I didn't have anything to rebel against. My family were lovely. My mum and dad loved me and my sister and brother. They looked after us. They weren't Christians. Uh, but they brought us up in the right way. Know the difference between right and wrong. Do the right things as often as you can. Try not to do the wrong things. Be kind to one another. Uh, I had nothing to rebel against. Uh, and then I heard the gospel and gosh... What a revelation that was. That God actually was a reality, that God cared for me, that God loved me, and because of that, Jesus came to the earth, died on a cross, and rose again from the dead. And that's because God loves. And what was true for me is true for you. Uh, God cares for you immensely. Um, you're not too old. You might think, well, I'm a bit infirm. You could be a bit infirm. That may be so. But if you felt you wanted to be baptised and it was a right thing, and we had that conversation and we all agreed, yes, it should happen, I'm sure we could find a way to make it happen. Uh, so, um, you know, I don't think age is a bar. I don't think infirmity would be either. We'd, we'd find a way. So if you have that sense, maybe God is saying, it's time for you to get wet. Well, perhaps we should have that conversation. Um, some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, look, you know, I haven't had that great conversion experience. Um, you know, I've, I've always been around the church. Uh, I've never known life without the church. I don't know whether I you know, need to do something different, whether I need to go away and come back again. Uh, I have a friend, I'm sure I've mentioned this fella before, when I was at uh, Fuller, my home church, uh, I had a friend who he'd always been in the church forever. All of his life revolved around the church. Uh, and I'd come from entirely outside, and I'd had that revelation, that revelatory experience. And I can pin it down to an occasion uh, and a, a place and a time. He couldn't do that. But what, what he said to me was, I have always known about God. My parents taught me about God from the time I was old enough to understand speech. And of course, he knew it anyway because of the way that they loved him and brought him up. But he said to me, one day I started to think about this and I realised that I believed this not because my parents did but because I did and he had made that decision and then he got baptised as a result of that so you might be in that situation you might have been around the church since the year dot and you've never known 
life without God. You've never known life without God, the church, Christian fellowship. Uh, You've always known that God is a reality. You've always known the friendship of Jesus. Well, maybe it's time now to acknowledge the truth of that and the reality of that for yourself and to nail your colours to the mast firmly and say, this is what I believe. Some of you will be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know, what will people say? What will people think? I mean, I've got a reputation. I understand that. It's not easy, actually, to do this. Not easy to step out. And we do have to live, don't we? And we have to live in our street. We have to live in our uh, family units. We have to live in that network of people that we have. What might they say? What might they think? I absolutely understand how difficult it is. However... We are encouraged um, by Jesus, amongst others, not to be fearful about what others might think, but to be fearful of God. I mean, Jesus talks about not being afraid of those that can just harm the body, but to be afraid of the one who holds the keys to death and hell. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 4, if you want to find it. Um, And that's Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Um, Particularly, you know, if you've not made your peace with him. What might people think? Well, we might be surprised, actually. My experience is that, you know, there may be some teasing to begin with, but when people see authentic Christianity lived out in front of them, they are hugely impressed by that. Certainly, that was my experience in the army. Um, Soldiers, you'll be aware, well, you may be aware, are you know they are roughy tufty characters most of the time they don't they don't uh, acknowledge weakness they loathe and detest weakness they loathe and detest hypocrisy the chaplains that did not do well sadly were the ones that were hypocritical in the way that they live their lives saying one thing and doing another those of us that sought to live authentic lives authentic Christian lives actually did quite well with soldiers. You gain their trust quite quickly when they can see there is a a congruence, there's a lining up between life and lip, as a friend of mine would say. So the things that you say and the way that you live actually sit solidly together. What will people say? What will they think? Well, probably they will think, perhaps I should do that. Maybe I should ask about that. Who knows? Then, of course, you may be sitting there thinking, well, you don't know what I've done, Kevin. And what I've done is really very, very bad. And it cannot be forgiven. 
you would be entirely wrong in your assessment in that. You have not done anything that is unforgivable. What you may have done could be really quite bad. And I really don't need to know the detail, and neither does anybody else. But I can tell you categorically that if you want to be forgiven, you will be. Because God is in the forgiving business. And you know, friends, that God is going to forgive you. You only need to look at what happened with Jesus on the cross. I mean, there he is in the worst of all circumstances. Uh, He has been beaten. He's been ridiculed. He's been whipped to within an inch of his life. He's in a terrible state physically, emotionally, And from the cross, from that very place of execution, what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. I guarantee, friends, that whatever you have done can be forgiven. And then there's... uh, well, there are two sides of a similar coin, actually. There's pride and there's false humility. There's, a, there's the pride that says, well, actually, I'm, I don't need this. I am good enough. I don't, I don't need that God stuff, and I don't need to be forgiven because I'm a good person, really. Uh, I may slip up now and again, but it's nothing too bad, uh, and it's nothing that can't be overlooked. And then there's the other side of that coin, which says, well, actually, I'm not good enough. Uh, I really am not good enough. But when I am, then I'll do something about this. Who is going to judge, friends? Um, Usually when we judge, and in both of those cases, pride and false humility, we are setting ourselves up as judges. We get this very wrong. It is not for us to say. It is for God to say. And again, I I take you to the book of Romans, chapter 3 and verse 23, uh, where Paul reminds his hearers, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, you know, we're all in the same boat. None of us is better than anybody else. We all need this. Here is good news. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Same book, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. To all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12, I think. Someone will tell me after. It is all there for you if you want it. Don't see the need? Well, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dead of night. Lord, we can see that you're a prophet sent by God. What do we need to do? Well, unless a man is born again of water and the Spirit, 
how, how can you be born again? How do you climb back into your mother's womb? It's a spiritual thing we're talking about. And of course, Peter's first sermon, um, Pentecost, all those people from all the known corners of the world, all hearing the glory of God being declared in their own language, their own languages. And uh, what does all this mean? Peter stands up and explains, talks about this Jesus whom you crucified is now Lord and Christ. Cut to the heart, they said, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptised, every one of you. That's what you need to do. Look, here's water. Why should I not be baptised? No reason that I can see. Let me pray for you. Father God, draw near to us and speak to us. Reassure us, those of us that are tender and uncertain. Come and speak to us about the truth of what you want for us. And if it's time for us to take that step and firmly nail our colours to the mast, then lead us on in that way. Thank you that your promise is never to leave us or forsake us. Draw near to us and bless us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll sing our closing song together, friends. If you're able, please stand. Holy Spirit, living breath of God.
may the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.